Hey guys, this is Johan. And this is Cynthia. Welcome to episode number seven of That's Too Much Butter. What's up? Thank you guys for taking a listen for today's episode. We are looking forward to sharing with you guys our thoughts on the two movies that we'll be talking about today. Yes, the movies are Capone and... High Life. High Life, yes. Two completely different movies. Uh, Pretty interesting watch, so we're really... Excited to talk to you guys about it. Before we get into the movies, kind of just wanted to do a little update on some stuff that uh, we found out about AMC and theaters in general. An article came out a couple of days ago about uh, how people are feeling when it comes to the pandemic and just the movie going experience as a general. And Deadline actually had some interesting information where it said that there's actually a lot of people um, that would actually go back to the movie theaters uh, once everything dies down. But, of course, there need to be some uh, safety measures implemented. So one day, I'm not sure how many people they surveyed, but 75% of the people that got spoken to said that they were more likely to return to cinemas upon their reopening, especially with movies like Tenet and Mulan and Unhinged, which is a Russell Crowe movie that are that were supposed to be coming out this year. So... That's actually a pretty interesting thought because I'm I honestly didn't think that many people would want to go. Yeah. But I think I've mentioned this before. The whole thing about watching a movie is an, is an experience, and while things are clearly going to drastically change for a bit when it goes to the movies, I think people just one want to get out the house, two just want to have some sort of normality in their life, and I think the movies brought that. Uh, for example, when it comes to the movie going experience going forward, people in that survey, 91% of them said that theaters should have hand sanitizer stations throughout the whole building. Uh, Which eight, just makes sense. Of course. <laughs> I mean, they probably should have had that now to begin with. Yeah. 86% were in favor of limited show times so there can be an extended cleaning period between movies. Which makes sense because... Right now, you ever seen it where it's like... I think the once a movie ends, I think there's only like a half an hour between... The ending, yeah. and then when the movie starts uh, again, that probably should have been longer. Also, uh, if you ever been in a the theater, I'm not gonna lie, they're not the cleanest. You know, they're not the most cleanest places on earth. No, but... they're not. Well, fun fact: I used to work in a movie theater. Oh, that's right, you did. College, so you but... should you should know this for a fact. <laughs> I mean, I did the ticket. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's true. They. Usually you'll see them waiting in the theater as the movie wraps up and then you head out and then they'll clean and then the other movie will start like soon after that. But I mean, it's not like people go to the movies all day long. Like sometimes you'll have some empty showings. I think that that the only issue where I'll see that is for the big releases. Yeah, no, of course it makes sense. But yeah, no, it just hopefully, uh, you know, theater uh, chains can look into that because I think... It's going to be weird without being able to go to the theaters for a while. I mean, it's already been weird. It's been over two months since you and I have been at a movie theater. So 
I really hope that you know theaters are listening to the consumers and the customers, and hopefully they look at some of this data and go into into doing stuff like that. Uh, one thing that I also did see is that drive-in movie theaters are probably going to be a thing again, which honestly is not bad. We've been to one. We've right? been to one. I wasn't a huge fan of it, though. Yeah. Well, also, I don't think we picked the right movies to go to. I think we saw it was that movie with The Rock and Kevin Hart, and then the second movie was like Insidious 2. We yeah. never saw the first one. So I guess the cool thing about those driving movie theaters is that you always get two features. It's like the experience of it, but I'll be honest, the fact that you have to listen through your radio. Oh yeah, we had to connect like a station and stuff like that. And then you have to worry about your car battery dying. I oh. guess that's a cool experience. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean... It'll be interesting. I mean, it looked cool when I was a kid watching movies that had those type of scenes and I stuff like Queens, that. I think in Queens they have a drive-in theater now. That's I, what they started. Yeah, it looks like a, there was a diner in Queens that, that started doing it or is about to start doing it. One of those two things. But I mean, it's cool, but you're right. It's not the same thing. Ain't nobody trying to listen to it through their car. <laughs> I remember... Uh, especially after watching Adobe if you remember, movie. I don't know if you ever remember... Yeah, especially Adobe. I don't know if you remember... Um, in Saved by the Bell, there was in one of the episodes, I think they go to like a driving movie theater and they had, it looks like they had these like, they look like the parking meter things next to them. And I think that's where the sound came out of. <laughs> that's how it should be. Not through your fucking radio. Because you're right. Ain't nobody trying to have a, you go, you, it took us like, the one that we went to was in Warwick. Yes. Which is like what, an hour? Driving. Hour and a half? Yes. It was and long. Driving back home was. And rough. it was pitch black over there too. It so can you, can you imagine you you get there, everything is good, but then your car ends up you have dying. You find the perfect spot. Yeah, and no, it's a lot. And then afterwards, you have to get out, and it's a whole line. It's a really cool experience. I don't know if it's necessarily for either of us. Yeah. But, yeah, let's see how that goes. But other than that, that's pretty much it for news when it comes from, you know, just stuff that we've seen over the past week when it comes to movies. But, yeah, let's get into the first movie. Uh, the first movie is called Capone. I hate 10 million bucks. You did, but you did what? I hit 10 million bucks. You hit 10 million, 10 million bucks? Yeah. Where? I fucking know. So Capone was released on May 12, 2020, and it was directed by Josh... Trank, produced by Russell Ackerman, Lawrence Bender, Aaron L. Gilbert, and John Schrodenfield. And it stars Tom Hardy, Linda Cardellini, Jack Loden, Noel Fisher, Kyle McLaughlin, and Matt Dillon. The movie is a biographical movie on Al Capone and specifically centered around the decline of his health after he's released from prison. The movie shows how it affects him and his family, and so you kind of see this progression of Al Capone, who's played by Tom Hardy, from the beginning of the film to the end of the film. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's that's a pretty good take <laughs> on the movie. So I were, I'm not going to lie, I was really excited to watch this movie, and by the end of it, I kind of was not. Um, <laughs> I am a fan of these types of movies usually about uh, anything when it's autobiographical, gangster, crimes. I love that shit. That's my shit. I love it. Give it to me day and night. I'm going to eat it up. I did not like this movie. <laughs> so, 
I've been out, and I'm pretty disappointed. Um, so if yeah. you could only see the look of disappointment yes. on his face, I'm still, I'm very sad about it. I love Tom Hardy too. I, I love Tom, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's awesome. I so I don't did not know much about Al Capone watching this going into this film. And you probably didn't learn much watching this film, regardless. I definitely <laughs> had to look up a lot of things, and I feel like I learned a lot through Wikipedia. Thanks to shout outs to Wikipedia <laughs> uh, for guiding me through this movie. Uh, but it was a little it, it was a little out there. I think that the concept of the film. If you take a step back and just objectively look at it, it was pretty dope. I mean, you know, you you see this character who's supposed to be this big, tough, strong guy, right? Who's killed a ton of people, who has been like the head of the Italian mafia mob game, just declining. Like he kind of turns to shit, literally. There were, you know, so it, it's kind of interesting seeing how the the movie kind of plays out and it kind of centers around this character. I think Tom Hardy did a fantastic job, you know, he was acting a bright, in like, that role. Yes, he, I think he was um, the, re- the one of the very, very few bright spots of the movie. He was, <laughs> he was very compelling as the main character. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, even Linda Cardellini playing his wife, May... Uh, Coughlin also did a fantastic job in that role. She was very strong. You know, one of the things that I, you know, I, I liked about the film is sort of the the metaphors behind a lot of the things that happened. So you see a lot of symbolism. You see a lot of dreams that he goes through because he's suffering from uh, neurosyphilis and dementia. And the dementia is pretty much taking over and it's kind of affecting his motor skills. It's affecting his memory. And so there are different parts of the film where he's kind of going through these dreams and they're so vivid that you think that they're real. You think that they're happening in real time. And it's really just his head kind of, you know, playing those tricks on him because of his dementia mm-hmm. or you see the dementia taking over i the movie is graphic as well so just in how his illness affects him and i think that that's also definitely something to to note about the movie so there's like this one scene in the movie i mean i was it was just i i, I honestly like felt bad for the guy but He's like in bed, he's having this dream, and then all of a sudden he sees Matt Dillon's character who does something to himself. I'm not going to share what it is because I don't want to ruin it, but all of a sudden you see flies like on Tom Hardy's face or Al Capone's mm-hmm. face. And you're thinking it's part of the dream, but it's actually not, right? You All of a sudden you hear like a scream and it's his wife who gets out of bed and turns out he ended up shitting on himself so yeah the like flies literally, are literally, literally around him and so I, I i i thought i appreciated sort of like the metaphors the it's a very vivid film mm-hmm. and i think that he did a great job acting in the movie and i think honestly every character in the movie was a strong character like Matt Dillon did an awesome job in his role and linda cardellini she did a great job too yeah so the thing about this movie is if you know nothing about Al Capone, I can see why you may enjoy this movie a little bit. Nah, you're going to walk out of there not knowing anything yeah. about Al But <laughs> if this movie was about anybody else, I think it would be fine. 
But this is like, I, I want to compare it to another movie. So Al Capone is a notorious gangster who, if you really want to see a good movie about Al Capone, you got to watch The Untouchables. It's a great cast, has Robert De Niro, has Kevin Costner. It came out uh, in the 80s. It's been a while since I've seen it. I, I, this made me want to watch it, watch it again. Okay. It's a long movie. It's like three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. It's a long movie, but I'm definitely going to watch it again. Because I know the one thing about autobiographical crime movies is that you usually glorify the gangster. And the gangster is the bad guy. They don't do that here. Capone... This is basically the movie about the last year of Al Capone's life. They tell you about that at the beginning of the movie. Now, I have heard that he was really, really bad in his last year of life, which he was only 48, so he wasn't old. Like, I guess back in 1947, it was old. But, you know, in 2020, 48 is not an old age. People are having kids at that age (laughs) nowadays. But he had suffered through a lot. He was in jail. And the reason he got out of jail is because they realized that his health was uh, deteriorating. So there was no need for him to be in prison. Like, people already assumed that he was going to be gone soon. And so they let him out. So he was living in this nice, fancy house in Florida. But at this point in his life, his life was just going to shit. He had to sell off some stuff to pay off debt. Uh, the funny thing is that the FBI thought he was faking it. So you actually see this in the movie where the FBI is still following him. And they can listen to him uh, talking to his family members and talking to his wife and for whatever reason there's this fbi agent in the movie that thinks that al capone is still lying and to play devil's advocate the fbi agent says you know this is a guy who lied about everything before so why wouldn't he be lying about this so that's the al capone that i know the liar the the gangster the one who was selling alcohol when he wasn't wasn't supposed to in the pro uh prohibition era you know being uh you know the head of the chicago mob like this is the al capone i knew what the first gangster I ever read about was Al Capone. I never forget it. It was this book that I got from the Scholastic Bookstore. Remember those? Wow. Uh, yeah, the thing where you the little, used to get the little magazine. Yeah, little magazine. You see, you got a whole I Italian got, monster. I got yes, but you want to know what's funny? We may have this book. I hope it's not one of the books that we donated. We donated a bunch of books recently, <laughs> and I had that book. I have to check if we still have it. You're gonna be sick. I'm gonna be sick as I just realized that was the that was my first foray into gangsters, and. They really dumbing it down for like a young person because his his life was so crazy. Like he was born in Brooklyn, went to Chicago. He's you know he was a son to uh, Italian immigrant parents. He joined the gang as a teenager. Like his rise to what he became is crazy. So to see him depicted like this in this movie, I hated that shit. Tom Hardy did great. He was awesome. Uh, the movie you kind of see him get a lot of I wouldn't even call it flashbacks. But I guess they weren't flashback. It was his dreams that were plays basically fucking with his mind. And he was going through like... It was like he him seeing his criminal life flashing before his eyes. Like, I mean, but he was badass at the end of the film. Like, yeah, but... but well, that was actually a dream. Wasn't even, it wasn't real. It was a dream. That's right. It, was, I it that wasn't was real. real. I thought that was very real. All the gangster parts in this movie... We're not There were real. no gangster parts in this There movie. were dream sequences. There were, yes. So, again, Tom Hardy was amazing, and I don't think he could have done any better. But sometimes acting can't save the story of a movie. I thought and that what was, what was bad about it, what was weird about it, 
was there are some things that just didn't make sense that there was no backstory to it so for example the fbi somehow comes into the picture but you don't really you don't really realize that like i i didn't even realize it was the fbi until you pointed out to me that it was the fbi mm -hmm. so i was very confused and then it's just it was just weird the beginning came up again at the end I, I could see what they yeah. were trying to do with the movie, but I just don't think that it came to fruition. I would agree. Correct. Yeah, like just like the, the story about Tony, his son. That. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was really weird. That too. was weird. Like, I wonder it, if throughout, that's throughout the it movie, happens. throughout the movie, there's this son, Tony, that, you know, I guess he's not close with and he's a little older. He's like a teenager. Throughout the movie, Tony keeps calling the house, but he doesn't say anything. Nothing. You kind of get like a little wrap up to that story within the movie at the end of the movie but i also see what they were trying to do with that it was just basically kind of closing out al capone's story in general as well but i don't know it was just it wasn't my type of gangster movie that i'm related to maybe i've just been spoiled uh in my lifetime just with the type of movies i've seen when it comes to these type of characters but i don't know i mean i don't even honestly i'm not even sure if it's worth watching again <laughs> just in case i always like to sometimes watch another movie like maybe i miss something I think I got as much as I could about from this movie. Yeah. It's like an hour and 40 minutes. It's not long. Oh, no. It was long enough. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is a, an extremely different take. This is like... You know what I compare this to? So, even though Al Capone is a real person, um, and there's been multiple movies about him, there's been TV stuff on him, this is like... If there was if this was part of like an Al Capone movie series, because like I said, there's The Untouchables, there's actually a movie called Scarface from the 30s, not the one with Al Pacino. That's completely different. But there's some there's some movies out there like uh, Rocky and The Godfather. Rocky was able to resurrect itself with the movies that came on after the 2000s. But Rocky V was trash. Okay? <laughs> that was a part of Rocky I didn't want to see. Godfather 3. Very trash as well. I'm sorry, guys. Godfather 3. I know some people just say, hey, it was what it was. It was trash. We did not need to see these characters in these way and these types of ways. And if Alco if this movie Capone was part of like a trilogy, it would be the worst one. But why not? Why don't you want to see characters downfall? Or you know that is his because life. for all the time that I've seen these characters, they're always built up, and then you see them in this like sad state. Look, we already know what they did. We know they're a fuck up. We know they're bad people. I don't want to see Al Capone shitting on the bed. I understand that the premise of the movie was just seeing what he ended up becoming in his last year of life. But I have always been pictured like I know I know that's not a lifestyle that I would ever want, but it's always been, I guess what's the right, glamorized or glorified to the point where you're interested in the backstory of these characters, but I just don't know if people are as interested about this part of his life. Where his health was failing. Where his health is, yeah. Him. Like, I don't understand, like, what's the message behind that? Like, oh, don't be a bad guy. Don't end up in jail. Or you end up having, basically, a crazy form of dementia. Like... I mean, I guess. But there's... I look at it a little bit differently. To me, I almost... I was like, damn, that shit is karma. You were the, you did all this bad shit. Oh, it was absolutely karma. And now this is how life kind of affected you. But then also, you realize that people are never on their 
sort of like high horse or pedestal for very long. Mm-hmm. But people are always going to remember him for what he did. And so I think even the way that this movie sort of portrays him isn't going to take away from who he was or what he did. Same with Godfather, right? You, you're not going to take away from what Marlon Brando's character did and, and, and sort of like the impact that that movie had in that main character had. I know it's fiction, but the impact that that main character had. So it doesn't necessarily go away. I think it's just a different take of, you know, everyone... There's a there's an expiration limit. The other piece to Capone that was very interesting was the fact that he claimed that he hid $10 million somewhere. I was just going to talk about that. So Honestly, <laughs> that was the one thing that kept me intrigued was the money. Was that, like, oh, was that $10 million? Find this money. So let's... Okay. Give me it. I was like, okay, we're gonna. That's that's I. That's the the part of the movie that I gravitated to. Okay, the money. They keep bringing it up. Because there's actual like purpose to the film. Mm-hmm. And that was the purpose of the film. Yeah. It's whether or not these people are gonna find these ten million dollars that he says that he has, but the guy can't remember yeah. at all oh, where, where it's it is. At. Exactly. So. But yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was disappointed by that part of the storyline too. So I don't know. It was just. I think it was just, like I said, I think I've just been spoiled with all these crime movies that I've seen uh, throughout my life. And Tom Hardy, honestly, if it wasn't for Tom Hardy, I don't think we would have initially even watched the movie. Because there's always these movies about characters. Like, I think John Travolta was, like, in a gangster movie, like, last year. I've yet to see it, and I don't want to see it. I I couldn't even tell. I think it's, like, about one of the... The, the crime bosses from like I New Jersey. I can't imagine it's, John it's, it's, as, yeah. a gang, as a gangster. Character. Exactly. Uh, to I, me, he's still Saturday Night Live. Exactly. And uh, what's that other movie? Who's talking to? Oh, <laughs> look. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah, yes. So here I have it. John Travolta is, is playing John Gotti in a movie. Yeah, no. I'm not trying to watch that. I'm sorry. That's I, I don't see gangster. Like I don't look John Travolta and I'm, I don't get well, afraid. Tom Hardy, yes. Definitely. Tom Hardy, I absolutely would be afraid to see him. John Travolta, no. But yeah. Not at all. But again, the movie's Capone. It just came out. So it's not something that you can go on like uh, Netflix or Hulu. Yeah. Don't eat it after dinner. Don't watch it after dinner. Yeah, no. It's it's one of those. (laughs) You may fall asleep. Yes. Oh my God, yes. But yeah, if you want to see it, it's 10 bucks to rent, 10 bucks to buy. You can buy it on Amazon and I think like on Vudu, which. You know, this is what I spend my hard $9.99. I did not know on. you spent money on this. Yes. You know, I, I was trying to get back. I thought back. it was that free Amazon Prime shtick. It was not. I bought it. <laughs> so, I'm not going to tell you you guys don't have to watch it. But if you don't, you're not really missing out too much. If you want to see Tom Hardy doing really, really good performance, by all means. But don't think you're missing out on much if you don't watch it. The movie, again, is called Capone. And as always, let us know what you guys think. Trash. Refuse that didn't fit into the system. Until someone had the bright idea of recycling us to serve science. The odds are not in our favor. But when my work is accomplished, when perfection is achieved, then what? Fly away? I know I look like a witch. You're foxy and you know it. High Life was released on April 5th, 2019, and was directed by Claire Davis and produced by Andrew Lauren, DJ Guggenheim, Claudia Steffen, 
Christoph Friedel, Lawrence Clerk, Olivier Ferry Lapine, Oliver Dungy, and Claudia Smeja. Sorry, guys, they're all French. <laughs> <laughs> and it stars Robert Pattinson, Juliette Binoche, Andre Benjamin, Andre AKA 3000, Andre 3000, Mia Goth. Agata Buzek, Lars Eidinger, Claire Tran, Ewan Mitchell, Gloria Obiano, Victor Banerjee, Scarlett Lindsay, and Jesse Ross. High Life is a science fiction horror film. Monty, the main character in the film, who's played by Robert Pattinson, is... Basically, him and a child are the remaining survivors on a spaceship that travels to outer space on a mission. As you watch the movie, you learn that the spaceship will never come back to Earth, and so the group was basically stuck in outer space. As the movie progresses, you learn more about the characters and the weird science experiments that they're made to be a part of. Yeah, this is another one, another interesting movie, huh? This is a very interesting film. Yeah. Also, a lot of metaphors. I think just the way that it plays out, it kind of reminds me of the movie Ex Machina. Oh yeah. It kind of had like those the, the weird image the weird um, imagery or sort of out there imagery, um, and it just kind of like tells this story. In a very different way. So you get shots of the present. You get shots of the past. So he's kind of like looking back to his past. But then you're seeing the present. And then all of a sudden it kind of goes into the future. Which then becomes present day. So the movie kind of spans. If you could really think. If, if you really think about it. About maybe f- between 10 and 14 years. Actually no between 12 to 14 years. Yeah. Maybe a little bit longer than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And so it was a really weird film. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically they put all these death row inmates in space, told them, hey, you can either live the rest of your life out in jail, in prison, or you can do it in space. And most of these prisoners went to jail at a young age. And something that Monte, Robert Pattinson's character mentions is that it was a no brainer. Like, why would I do my, my sentence in prison where I can just do it in space? Yeah, well, it wasn't that good in space either. So, <laughs> yeah, they basically... It was a really weird film. Yeah, they, like, they, they put them in space and say, okay, guys, fuck yeah. <laughs> we'll see you when we see you. Right. Uh, the goal of them being in space was to extract energy from a black hole. Yeah, they which, were just... Exactly. They were just extract energy, get information. That was just weird. <laughs> it was. Yeah. You don't. Yeah, it was really. Weird. We don't know what year this took place, we but don't. I can only assume if if I remember as a kid when I learned what the black hole was, I didn't. I never in my wildest dream thought I would want to get next to that. <laughs> that shit was crazy. There's a scene where there's one of the prisoners ends up going out into space, and she kind of she's, you know, she's clearly lived a, a, a crazy life, and uh, something happens in the spaceship to her. And she just decides, fuck this, I'm out. She ends up going out into space, and guess what happens? She gets sucked by the black hole. And the way it ha- the way that she gets sucked in by the black hole is exactly how I imagine a black hole to be. Some of them just ex- <laughs> explode. Yeah, the, the way she got sucked in, it looked like a toilet. Like remember when you when when you flush the toilet and the water spirals? That's exactly how I expect how the black hole looks, and that's exactly what happened to this young lady. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I think the film has a lot of very interesting power dynamics. So you have these criminals, they're on the ship, and they're basically living some sort of normalcy or normal life, right? While still being prisoners, but then the person who kind of has control over them is a criminal herself. herself yep. I still don't understand the Se- dynamic to yeah. that. There was no explanation. There was, there was no explanation. That. Monte calls her a second chance doctor. Yeah. And she herself she is was weird. She like, was crazy. She's very out there. But so there's that. Then there's this we so they're not allowed to have sex. Mm-hmm. And in order for them to get rid of their sexual frustration, there's basically a room called the box. Called the box <laughs> where they can I guess masturbate yeah. and Relie- let out that yeah. sexual frustration. <laughs> Release themselves, if you will. It was very... That and yeah. And so the movie touched on that. It, the scene was just really weird. Yeah, no. But then... Honestly, it got it got really soft core porn it in, a, at one part. I was like, oh shit, what am I watching? In the beginning of the film. Yes. Yeah. Yes, um, no, it was wild. But then there's also like... You see this... this sort of aspect of them starting to turn on each other, right? Like, the the build of the sexual frustration, like, one of the characters goes into... So there's, think about, like, eight to ten prisoners in mm-hmm. total, right? And about half are men and half are women. Mm-hmm. I think it was... It, that was pretty much kind of, like, the, the ratio. And they... you There's never... They kind of just, like, hate each other. They're yeah. just like, get away from me, whatever. Mm-hmm. They really don't build any friendships. I they, You don't really see a friendship formed or built in the movie. Only... So. The there only, isn't loyalty. No, the only... I guess Monte, Robert Pattinson's character, the only one that... There's only one friendship there. It's him and Andre 3000's character. Um, That's about it, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Uh, but it, it's also sad how Monte and his daughter... Uh, who was just born. Yeah. So, no need to tell you that clearly this child was born in the spaceship yeah, you see from her one first, of those women. She's like a, she's a year old at yeah, that if, point. If that. If that, yeah. If that. And seeing that he, since he survived, and you end up seeing these little, ba- uh, these backflashes to the other characters, all of them clearly die. So, we kind of get a little bit of information about them. We don't get a lot of their backstory. No. But we find out how they end up dying. We do. Some of them are not as clear as others. Andre 3000's character is not as clear. But they do have a mention of something that he does enjoy about the spaceship. There's a portion that's like a garden and that was his favorite place. So you can... It was kind of like foreshadowing what ends up happening to him. But yeah, that was really the only friendship that they had. Everybody else was kind of on their own. The doctor, who is also the criminal, mm-hmm. she does these weird science experiments specifically on the women. Yes. And so she's trying to... And so the reason why she was called the second chance doctor was because she was trying to uh, have them produce a baby. Yes. And so the way that she, she would artificially inseminate them against their will. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, what you find out in the movie is that she's done this multiple times but every baby has died yes and then when you find out how she actually ends up helping create the baby um that's actually born uh yeah it's kind of crazy it's kind of crazy how she which leads to this 
this the baby. The baby, yeah. So it ends up her name is Willow, and just the way that Willow was born and the actions that led up to that, that was crazy. That was that but was. Let's not ruin it. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to spoil yeah. It. No, but it was crazy. Yeah. So this movie, I really didn't know what to think about this movie. It wasn't bad. It was okay. There was a lot to unravel, and Robert Patterson was really the only character that you get some sort of inclining to what was happening in his life. And before, the reason he ends up in prison is kind of crazy, too. So, <laughs> he was a child, and he did some shit to his friend, and yeah, you kind of see that part of his life. But yeah, everybody else just looks like they had like a unfortunate life, and they ended up in prison. And for whatever reason, they decided, hey, I'd rather not die in prison. I'd rather do it in space. But the way that they all go, I don't think that that was the way that they wanted to go regardless. And I think the way that the movie is wrapped up, I think it was fitting the way the movie ended. Robert Pattinson's daughter, Willow, we actually see, we, we only see her in two parts. When she's a baby and when she's a teenager. And now Willow, as a teenager, all she knows is space. She knows about Earth because it looks like she's been reading up on it. But she knows that space is where she is. But that's really much it. Curiosity is the one thing that is big with her. Like she wants to know what's happening about Earth. She starts praying because she heard that that's what they do on Earth. They actually end up bumping into a ship that looks like theirs. And it looks like not only were the people down on Earth doing an an experiment with prisoners. But they were also doing it with stray dogs. And that was the other ship that they end up bumping into. And that was another crazy scene. Robert Pattinson goes into that ship. He starts looking around. And all he sees are these dogs. Yep. Stray dogs. And I don't need to tell you what these dogs needed to do to survive. I'm going to leave that to your imagination. That was another crazy part. That was like, oh shit. And it's funny because Willow can um, hear what Monte is saying. And when Monte comes back, he had he doesn't have a dog. And she's somewhat upset. Because she's like, oh, we could have had him. We could have taken care of him. And he goes... Yeah, no, that wasn't gonna happen. I'm not bringing, you know, that they, they can be contaminated. You know what? You don't know what's up with them, and it was probably smart on his part. But you can kind of tell that all of this is kind of gets to him by the end of the film. It gets to him in the beginning so. of the film. Also, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can. T- it looks like he was still trying to make the most of it. Like he was fixing the ship at the beginning of the movie, and at this point, the movie starts where it's only him and Willow. So you see that he's fixing the ship and then a tool that he's using just falls out of his hands because Willow is crying so much that it, uh, Robert Pattinson kind of like he's trying to like, I guess he squirmishes a little bit yeah. and then the tool falls and then he's like, fuck. And then it looks like he kind of gives up on that, on fixing up the ship. Every time he tries to communicate back with Earth, it just saves his recordings. It looks yeah. like those people back there are not even uh, relaying messages back are not even taking this information. I think there's a part of the movie where he says that it's, it's going to take years before these people even read our messages. Yeah, I don't I don't know. What else? What did you think? What, what else did you think about the movie? What else you got? I think that that pretty much sums it up. I don't think it was a terrible film. I don't think that it was a bad film. I thought it was a pretty okay film. I think that it's not typically a movie that you or I would watch yeah. because it is so science fiction heavy. Yeah. So it's a pretty out there thought. And it, it just is very scary to think that that can potentially be how life may exist. Yeah. Right? Like your death sentence is going into outer space and you're going through these crazy experiences. Yeah. It's funny because now that you're saying that, I just remember that this president just made 
a space force. I don't know if you heard about if you read about that. Yeah, you know how there's like the air force, there's the the navy, the army. You know that's now a space force. He just made that a fucking thing. I mean, maybe it's gonna be a high life come to life, <laughs> which is scary. Yeah, yeah, but hopefully they don't start actually putting prisoners into space. You know, it's funny. Another funny thing about this movie is that it's made by A24 in a couple yeah. of episodes before I said I'll watch anything A24, which clearly I do. This is probably the one A24 movie I would be okay not if watching. I'm not watching it. Uh, Robert Pattinson already did well in one. Now he's one for two. He's batting 500 right now for me when it comes to these type of movies. He did so. a really good job acting in this film. Yeah, he did. I mean, Not as good as Tom Hardy in Capone. No. Yeah, even though Capone <laughs> wasn't that great of a movie, Tom Hardy still did a little better. You know, Robert Pattinson did, uh, you know, did well as his this prisoner who ends up becoming a dad out of nowhere in space and now he's just trying to figure out what the fuck he's gonna do raising a daughter in the middle of you know the milky way (laughs) (laughs) i think that's pretty much it if you guys are into science fiction i think it's probably a a movie better catered to somebody who enjoys that type of genre and that type of storyline but i'm glad we watch it just because it's not something that we would normally watch if this was the only if if yes correct that's a you good way to put it. The way, exactly. The way I look at movies is that would I buy that on Blu-ray or DVD? This so, is not one of those. So tell us where it's available. So it's actually, right now, it's available on Amazon Prime. So if you have a Prime subscription, it's available to watch. So you can stream it there. And as always, let us know what you guys think. The movie, again, is called High Life. So that wraps up today's episode. Yes. As always, thank you guys for listening and tuning in. I uh, want to thank... Uh, all you guys, or new listeners or previous listeners that have been with us since episode one. Always excited to do these for you guys. The next two movies that we're going to be talking about are two movies that are just new to the streaming websites. We have The Lovebirds that was supposed to come out in theaters, but is actually now on Netflix. And the second movie we'll talk about is Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which came out last year and it's currently on Hulu. So really looking forward to talking about those movies and discussing it with you guys. As always, let us know what you guys think. Make sure you guys hit that follow button on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also find us on Anchor. And as always, enjoy the rest of your day.